0: We are
1: Dave and Stephanie Borges. We are covenant partners here at First Press. We continue worship through studying God's divine appointments for his people to bear witness to the grace, goodness, and love of Jesus. God's eternal purpose includes using his people to proclaim his light, his love to all peoples and all nations.
0: Hear the word of the Lord. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one, bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air and then there came a voice to him rise peter kill and eat but peter said by no means lord for i have never eaten anything that is common or unclean and the voice came to him again a second time what god has made clean do not call common this happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask where Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field.
1: Thank you, David. Stephanie. All right. If you have Bibles, keep them open to Acts chapter 10. Um, We're going to unpack this passage a little bit as we continue. This is, uh, in effect, the second in a two part sermon that I started last week um, in the traditional service uh, just divine appointments. Uh, God has set appointments for us to be his witnesses, to share his love, to show his light, to testify to his goodness and his grace. He's, he's gone before us. Uh, he's working in the hearts of people that he wants us to talk to, and he's working in our hearts, preparing us. The truth is that grace awakens us uh, to be able uh, to look for these and see these divine appointments. Uh, this These two weeks come in a series that we've been doing on witness. The first, without going through all of it, I want to remind you, though, God doesn't need us to be a witness. He's pleased to use us. It truly is for our highest good and his greatest glory to use his people. He could do it other ways. He wants to use you. That's crazy, but it's true. Second, Uh, God does the work from beginning to end. It's his grace that we stand on. That's the ground by which we speak his word, and his Holy Spirit is actually what makes the word effectual. Uh, We're going to see that in powerful ways again today, Uh, but he takes all the pressure off of us by giving us a a promise that he's going to do all the work. Third, if it's still difficult for us to believe that, you know, God wants to use us as a witness. He's calling us to do it. I don't know if I've got it in it. If it's still hard, then he says, don't worry, you're not alone. At the end of chapter 2, we saw the collective witness that is the church. There's a, a corporate witness whereby people who are centered on the gospel are overflowing with the love and truth of God, so much so that they can't help but showing God's glory to the world around us. It is true uh, that we have strength in numbers. Then we saw is if this isn't enough, and this is what we're going to build on a little today, is that God gives a focus to our witness. He gives us exactly what we focus on, Jesus Christ and his work, Jesus Christ and his lordship, Jesus Christ as our savior, and the trajectory of that is towards holistic uh, restoration that leads to a world that is restored in worship. And then we get to divine appointments. Now, every week I've been trying to give an example of a, a God using his people as a witness. Last week, uh, I won't bore you again by repeating it, but I gave an example of how I needed a witness and how God used someone in my life. And later I'm going to share with you um, uh, a witness from this week. I've really been enjoying getting emails and hearing stories and, and texts about people that are excited to be a witness for, uh, in, in God's uh, economy, his kingdom advancement. It's been fun. Uh, But I want to push in a little bit as we start on one of the biggest hesitancies. Amen. That's what I'm talking about right there. Uh, We love wiggles in our worship every day of the week. So it's good stuff. Uh, One of the biggest hesitancies that I find with people uh, in being a witness is, is, is they don't feel like what they do makes that much of a difference. Does it really matter if I take a small moment to be a light Does it really matter if I take a small section of a conversation or a small part of my day just to shine the light and the love of Jesus that he's shown me? The answer is yes, and I want to illustrate it with a story. Maybe you've heard of this guy, Jim Lovell. He is most famous for being a part of the Apollo 13 uh, uh, mission. Uh, He's a famous astronaut. But before he was an astronaut, he was a pilot. Uh, And in 1953, he was flying over the Pacific Ocean. And get this. It was pitch black dark. And he was in the middle of nowhere. And all of his instruments failed him. He had no idea how high he was. He had no idea the, uh, the direction he was going. He was looking for anything, so he didn't just run out of gas, fall in the Pacific, and become fish food. Here's what he did. He went the direction that he thought the boat was in. He saw his boat, and when he saw the uh, aircraft carrier that he was going to land on, he had a problem. He didn't know which was the front, and he couldn't tell how far down it was. Now, think about this, a pilot flying in the night with no instruments. If he, lands on the, if he tries to land on the front of the aircraft carrier and it gets too low, tragedy. If he misses completely, tragedy. If he lands too late, tragedy. How in the world is this pilot flying at night who cannot see his altitude or which direction he's supposed to come from, nowhere to land? The answer, small little lights. He got down low enough to see that, I've got to read this so I get it right, the phosphorescent glow of planktonic algae <laughs> uh, that the propeller of the aircraft carrier was stirring up. And these little microscopic algae, thousands and millions started coming together, and he noticed that the back of the boat had a trail of light. And so by that, phosphorescent glow from microscopic algae, he could tell how low he needed to go and which side of the boat to land on. You see, here's the deal. One little algae glowing probably wouldn't have helped. Thousands and thousands of algae who are taking the moment in a stirred-up environment to shine light. Turns out it's a runway for a pilot in crisis to not crash and be devastated. So, too, in a world that is in crisis, where people that you know, neighbors, family members, friends, coworkers, classmates, teammates, that are flying without instruments, that are flying in the dark and scared to death they're going to crash, they are looking for a place to land in the light of Christian witness. That faith helps People be guided to the safety that is the salvation and and steadfast love of Jesus Christ. Does that illustration make sense? So independently you say, oh, I don't know if what I do makes much of a difference. Collectively, I tell you this, it's the only hope of the world. So we have to respond to God's grace by being a light and showing his love. And we're gonna see how Peter does that to everybody, everywhere. Just like last week. You remember last week, the eunuch, right? God called Philip to this divine appointment. He, he led by a voice of the angel and a stirring of the spirit. And he went somewhere that was extremely uncomfortable. He went to a, a different uh, cultural relationship. The guy was from Ethiopia. A different ethnic relationship. He was a black African and Philip was not. A different sociological relationship. This guy was in the court of the queen. Philip was not. And even he went to a place of uncomfortability, as our friend Alex says all the time, uncomfortability, of going to someone who had altered their body physically in regards to their gender. And it was a eunuch from the Ethiopian court, from Eunice's court, that Philip shared a witness. And we saw how God's spirit had gone before and stirred up his questions in that the word of God from Isaiah 53, five to seven did all the work in the spirit of God. So to today, we're gonna see the two points. But before we unpack the word, can we go to the word of the Lord in prayer? Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word like little babies. We cry out, please, Jesus, please give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, help us to see the depth of your love and the dignity of what you've called us to. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in a divine appointment, it's essential that you understand something, that God is working both sides of the equation. In the same way that we hear from his word and we see his work, that God is calling us to be in light and show his love, like he's working that side of the equation, so too is he working in the hearts of people who are spiritually hungry and spiritually thirsty. Remember this line God is working both sides of the equation. God appoints, the first thing we see is that God appoints every christian to be a light to every person now this story uh, that was read by the Borgises, uh centers on a centurion a guy named cornelius who was in the town of what's called caesarea now this is the official seat in that region of a of the roman procurator he is the head of the Italian cohort over at least 100 Roman soldiers. He was a Gentile. Now, this is a tremendous moment in the history of redemption in the simple fact that the, the light of the gospel is going forward to the nations, what, what all through Scripture is called Gentiles. On the one hand, it's a specific fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, that you will be my witnesses, he told his disciples. Uh, to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And we saw the Samer and, Samarita- and Samar- Samaria <laughs> last week. Easy for you to say. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, and then the ends of the earth of the Ethiopians. So to today we see this, but we need to understand the dynamics of the situation. Gentiles were considered unclean to Jews. Peter was a former Jew. So much so, just practically speaking, it was unlawful for Jews to go into the houses or to eat meals with Gentiles. Not only that, but this guy worked for the same Roman government that had put Christ to death and had been oppressing Israel for decades and decades and generations. So this isn't a guy that, for any reason... Peter would would testify with. He wouldn't talk with him. He wouldn't associate with him. But it's this person. It makes no sense sociologically that redemptive historically, God is saying, Peter, I want you to go share with him. And he does it by miraculous means, right? Peter is on this rooftop praying and three times, I love Peter because he's just a dude of process. Peter never gets it right the first time. Peter never has the right answer. One time he had the right answer when he, when he said, who, who do you, Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? But most of the time, Peter puts his foot in his mouth. He denies Jesus. He has to be restored by Jesus. And I'm like, I like that guy. He gives me just a sense of hope. And three times, Peter's praying, and this vision comes, and it, and it says, uh, The voice from heaven says, eat what's on the sheet in in his pious and peter i'm sure felt very uh, righteous in saying i would never eat anything unclean ever i'm not gonna eat anything unclean and the voice says three times to peter what i have made clean don't call it unclean and peter it says he's perplexed he he's pondering this vision trying to figure out what happens in the holy spirit says to peter hey look I'm sending three guys to you from Caesarea, and I want you to go talk and share the gospel with the one who sent them. Now, Peter's being called to share the gospel to everyone, to be a light and to show love to everyone, no matter how deep the level of uncomfort, uncomfortability, to use Alex's word. But I want you to see that this is part of God's eternal plan. And this dignifies, you know, the stars that shine in the sky uh, form the constellations that really point to God's glory. Uh, This really dignifies the opportunity that we have. Uh, God has been planning to share his love and light with the nations and the Gentiles since his family was started. Abraham in in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, he said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the nations, all the families of the earth. And this theme, this call, this purpose is highlighted in different ways, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, but two quick places. Isaiah 49, 6. I love this verse right here. You see on the screen, this is what the prophet says, it's too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring them back to uh, the preserved Israel. He says, I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And even when we first encounter Jesus in the New Testament, when Simeon is singing in the temple, when he first meets Jesus, this is part of his song. He calls Jesus, he says, You are a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So from the jump, God has had this eternal plan that his love and his light should go to everyone everywhere, no matter what they've done, they should see this witness. And so Peter is saying yes to the movement of the spirit, to the the vision that he sees, but he's really participating in the same work, in the same mission that you and I are participating in when we say yes. And it's an amazing opportunity. God wants to dignify you by allowing you to participate in his eternal purposes. And we know it's true. Think about the end of Scripture in Revelation chapter 5, chapter 7, twice. People are from every tribe, every tongue, every nation are around the throne singing and proclamation of God's greatness and glory. God wants to use his people to get people there. Uh, one of the stories I heard this week, I, I've been waiting to tell this. I almost just wanted to tell this story, just get up here, tell the story, and then close in prayer. Right? It's so beautiful to me. We have volunteers at our church that that serve in various capacities. We love them. We need more in the children's ministry, Uh, your youth ministry. God's working in a lot of ways, but we sell our mental health ministry with her testimony. But we have um, lots of volunteer space with our mission partners. October is Missions Month. So, uh, you know, next weekend, we celebrate global missions partnerships on October 16th. We've got a joint worship service with churches we've helped plant on Sunday night. That's going to be fun. And we've got a whole mission, local missions week, including a service day on October 22nd. That's going to be a lot of fun. But one of our uh, main anchors in loving our neighborhood is our Kingdom Restoration Lab. And we have volunteers at work in there. Uh, and one of the volunteers this week told me this story. And this is so good. Are you ready for this? This is a woman, just like you or me. I don't mean that, like, you know what I mean. She's normal. <laughs> yeah, that could get confusing. Uh, she said that someone came in, and they needed help. They needed help uh, reestablishing social network. They needed help to get the resources that they were due to them. And uh, a little disheveled, but had an ankle um, They were on parole. They had a little ankle monitor on. She was nervous. You know what she did first thing? Uh, She started telling this person that Christ loved them. And this guy said, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been doing. I'm not worthy of Christ's love. And she said, well, when you're done meeting with your social worker, I'll be here and I'd love to pray for you uh, when you come back out. So she goes to meet with Trish, who is our like LeBron James of social workers down there, unbelievable, uh, partner with SA Hope. And this guy comes back out after meeting with her and he gets to her a volunteer and he says, can you tell me more about this love? Not only did they end up praying together, but this guy uh, who felt imprisoned and defined by his circumstances when he came in, he ended up putting his faith in Christ Uh, and being born again, experiencing the freedom and forgiveness that Christ alone gives how did that happen? It happened because we have a volunteer who raised their hand and I will talk about God's word and God's work to share God's light and God's love and that might not make a big difference. You're not going to read it on the headlines but I promise you this that when everybody in here takes advantage of a small opportunity to share the love of God with someone that doesn't believe they deserve it then together we will be a bio-luminescent, except whatever the redemptive word for that is in a spiritual way where we will glow as a city upon a hill that will be attractive to people who need freedom, who need love, who need light. Do you see it? Unbelievable. And if you were to describe to Peter that you were going to go to a Gentile's house to participate in this, he would have called you crazy, but God moved him. And if you would have told this woman that she would be sharing the gospel with a man that had an ankle monitor on coming into into our church for help, she would have called you crazy a few months ago. But God has a way of bringing beauty from crazy, and he's looking for volunteers who know his grace that will raise their hands and say, Lord Jesus, use me. God is bringing his love and his light to every person everywhere, and he wants to use everyone. The second and last point that we have is that you need to see this. God is preparing every heart to receive light and love, and we're gonna run through this quickly. But God's sovereignty in this story is absolutely astounding because the visitors that went to peter's house came after peter had had this vision once twice three times the vision god had prepared peter to go he had stirred peter and peter followed the spirit and went to caesarea this starts at two extremes one geographically caesarea and joppa peter goes with him And God had been working in the heart of Cornelius. Now, I need you to understand that when God calls you to be a witness, when he asks you, do you want to be a vehicle for my light and love? Do you want to participate in my eternal purposes? Remember, I don't need you, but this is for your greatest good and my greatest glory. Do you want, you need to know this. He's been working the other side of the equation. Think about Cornelius' life. Cornelius had status, but that status didn't satisfy. We're going to see a few things in Cornelius' life. That status didn't satisfy. Are those up there at all? Yes. He was looking for more. Cornelius was religious. He was pious. He was generous. But his religious works fell short. He still had hunger. And in fact, he needed Jesus to really be saved. His religious work was not enough to save him. He needed clarity. He needed someone to come explain to him what was missing. And he was spiritually hungry. He wanted to know the fullness of salvation. He wanted to know the, the fullness of, of what it means to know God. But it doesn't even stop there. He had an unclean status. He was an enemy of, of God's people and of God himself. And this is how everyone is described. He was lost and looking for direction. Now look at that list and tell me you don't have neighbors that fit that category. Tell me if you don't have coworkers. Tell me if you don't have family members where their status, they have, they've, they've got a good, they've got a job, they've got credentials, but man, they're not satisfied, right? Their religious works falling short. They're, they're, they need clarity in life. Spiritually hungry, unclean, enemies of God. It's, it, they're looking for direction. How many of us know other people? Look at the other side here that are longing for security and hope. You know, how many of you know people that need healing from pain and problems because they're living in a fallen world? and they've been sinned against, and they have experienced tragedy. How many people know someone that's lost in loneliness, and they just need to know their love? How many of you know folks that are stuck in their shame, and they need forgiveness? If you're like me, you know you need Christ for all these realities to be remedied. But maybe some of you are in here seeking, and you don't know Jesus in that way. You don't know Jesus is the one who he, God's been stirring in your heart, where you've been looking for clarity and, and sick of trying to religiously perform so that God will approve you and love you. Here's the gospel proclamation. If we kept reading in this passage, Peter says this, I can see that God loves all people without partiality, everyone. Verse 34. And then he goes on to proclaim the gospel message. And he does so in a way that centers on Christ. It centers on his word. It centers on Christ being anointed and Christ being righteous. He lived the life we could never live. And then it centers on Christ being crucified. He died the death we deserve. And Jesus then, read it at the end of this chapter, 34 to 44, and it goes straight from crucifixion to resurrection, that he took the curse for us so that we can become the righteousness of God and then rose from the grave so that we can walk in a newness of life. This is the gospel that Peter proclaims that we need to hear. And so if you've been seeking in here, here's your answer. For those of y'all that know Jesus, you're surrounded by seekers. You're surrounded by people who need hope and they need a light. They need to see love. They need to know love. And God wants to use you to do it. I don't know why that's God's plan. But he's pleased to use his people. And he wants to use you. He has a divine appointment. And it might be small in words, small in time. It might seem insignificant. But I tell you this, when all of us take time to sink our hearts deep in the way that God has loved us and we seek to love as he's loved us and together we can illuminate a path for people to land in life, finding the longings of their heart satisfied. Friends, Jesus Christ has died. He's risen from the grave. He's given his church his spirit. And he wants to use you for his purposes. It could be as a parent. It could be in your vocation. It could be in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, or your friendships. But God wants to use you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you know our hearts and hear our prayers. And right now, I just pray this prayer of Joseph Aline, the Puritan. For those who don't know you yet, O Lord, would you grab onto them now and do your work? Take them by the heart and overcome them and persuade them with your love until they say your love has won, your love is stronger than I. Lord, did you not make us fisher of people? We have worked all this time. We've caught nothing. We've spent our strength. Has it been for nothing? but Lord, we listen and we cast our net one more time. Lord Jesus, we stand on the shore, or we see you standing on the shore. Would you please show us now where and how to spread our nets? Would you give us words and actions that enclose the souls of people we love that are seeking you, that they will have no way out and they'll be captured by your love? And now, Lord, for the multitude of souls, souls that we will encounter. We pray for your full portion of your spirit. Lord God, remember us, we pray. Strengthen us with your grace. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.